0: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp, and as always, I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? How are you feeling? Haven't had much sleep recently, so how are you tracking?
1: I am wrecked, my friend. This is a tough Sunday evening for us here in Australia. We've obviously been up early watching college football, and if you do decide to enjoy a few on a Saturday Saturday night and then try and back that up, it makes for a long Sunday afternoon.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to bring the energy, and I've, I feel like I've got it. I feel I'm, I'm into school holidays. I'm positive about the Miami Hurricanes for three weeks in a row to start the season, uh tampa bay are looking okay in the nfl as well so there's a lot for me to feel good about i feel refreshed i feel calm i feel springtime is here and i feel amped up i'm ready to roll
1: I like it. I'll, I'll feed off of this, definitely. So you, you can keep that going and I'll um, just try and ride your coattails for another episode.
0: Perfect. Not a problem at all. I'll bring the noise. Uh, we've got a massive show to get to because there was so, so, so much action uh, across the landscape of college football, not only just today in, in all the games that were played, but also within the context of the season and moving forward. There's been some new news come out uh, over the past kind of few days, which we'll touch on as well. We'll get to all these massive game recaps as some big, big names fell in their, you know, early in the season in in conference games. Uh, Some teams got to kick their seasons off as well, which is fantastic. We've got bold predictions. We've got Aussies in actions. We'll hit all the important things that you may or may not have missed over the course of this particular Saturday or Sunday, wherever you are in the world. So let's jump in with our 360 view of college football. All right. This is what college football is all about. It's week four and chaos reigned particularly early. Uh, we welcome back the SEC as well. So fantastic start for uh the new or the new old conference coming and joining college football for season 2020
1: definitely this was week four but it feels like college football has kicked off this week we saw that chaos that we love to see we had the sec back with some great matchups there and it really felt like college football was back this way
0: number three oklahoma clearly have got a massive massive problem with the kansas state wildcats as they go down at home to a team that lost to Arkansas State only a couple of weeks ago. Along with that, Mississippi State get the better of the defending national championship LSU Tigers at home as well. A couple of massive upsets there, Will.
1: Both teams at home against unranked opponents getting done is a massive surprise both of them ranked what three and six in the nation overall uh lsu can use the excuse that this is their first touch-up but OU don't have that they've had their cider kansas state lost to arkansas state two weeks ago to go down to that team especially being up whatever three scores going into the last is really really bad look for them I've hoped they have that rent money because Kansas State own Oklahoma.
0: Yeah wow I, n- I never thought I'd see that The revenge spot was not vengeful. Texas and Texas Tech go down to the wire that game was an absolute barn burner a wild one down in a hot and steamy Lubbock Texas but the longhorns endure.
1: Both you and I had switched this one off. Like it got to a point where they were 15 points up, Texas Tech, with three minutes to go, and we were like, oh my God, Texas have been done here. Cannot believe it. And then before you know it, you're scrolling through the scores, Texas make a game of it, recover an onside kick, and somehow walk away with a win in overtime. Unbelievable. That's what college football's all about. Real issues for Texas still on the back of it, but. Getting that win is massive, a massive, massive difference. If you lose, you said Tech Tom the-
0: Herman was getting fired before that game had even finished. So, um, absolutely, certainly- on, the, on the back
1: of what we were seeing there, I thought that that was on the cards. And for him to pull that out and Oklahoma to lose this weekend, Texas are now in a great spot to look at the Big 12 championship and push forward with the playoff. If they lose that one, which they should have, they're done
0: and as we run out of time here on our 360 the air raid took all of one minute to set a new sec passing yardage record kj costello now holds that particular record
1: yeah i mean that was unbelievable wasn't it uh he was massive for uh mississippi state and then lane kiffin also had a fairly impressive debut putting up 613 yards for old miss but was outdone by Kyle Trask at Florida who has announced himself as a Heisman contender this year in the same vein that Joe Burrow did last year Ooh. with well they both started with the six touchdowns in the season opener last year uh, this is against a in conference matchup uh that's that's an impressive effort for him obviously that's a very very lofty standard I'm I'm holding him to there but he's certainly in the conversation that's a massive effort and Florida look like they're going to be very very dangerous team this year
0: and we will get to those games in much much more detail but first we do need to get to uh, is there anything else you want to add there quickly on the back of that we we'll, we've run out of time anyway so let's push on there is some news that we do need to get to so let's hit that little drop as we continue to bust through at a high octane level here the pack 12 is back as they go for a seven game no out of conference slate they still have their divisions north and south and the championship weekend will consist of a first v first north and south second v second third v third etc In the same way that the Big Ten is operating as well. Um, The Mountain West is also set to start and come back on October the 24th, which is actually ahead of the Pac-12. So they're on their way back as well. There's going to be more college football and maybe one of those two conferences will start before Houston can actually get a game on the board as they had another game postponed. So unfortunately for the Cougars, they still can't get
1: on the park it's all starting to come together now this is brilliant we've got the pac 12 coming in so happy to see that happening obviously the mountain west as well uh some very good programs playing there a lot of aussies in on those west coast uh, sides as well so it's great to see them up and about the last bit of news uh that i think's worth noting is that game day next week is heading to athens georgia a place that you and i were lucky enough to visit on our trip awesome yes, college sir. town They have a massive, massive SEC matchup uh, with Auburn that's going to be a real barn burner.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully it starts off better than both of those two teams started today. But yeah, uh, that should be a really, really good one as they settle in. All right, that is all the news, all the big storylines we've got to. So now it's time to deep dive in a little bit more detail. So some game recaps. I'm almost a bit exhausted from that, but let's keep on pushing this bloody wagon forward firstly again we've mentioned a lot of times the sec is back and it's far harder to keep up with all these games but some general thoughts around the sec is that they suffered from the same issues that the other conferences have already pushed through uh, in that you know those procedural penalties and the you know drops and other issues around getting teams organized lined up and and being able to execute at a high level many of the other conferences have been through that say virginia virginia tech but the sec clearly
1: showed signs of being a little bit rusty out of the gate absolutely i think the measurement that is appropriate is probably a metric fuck ton of penalties across all of (laughs) college football this weekend like it's huge there's 10 penalties a game seems to be the average for teams at the moment and that's not something that head coaches would want to see. They'd be trying to drill discipline in and you're just not seeing it. You're seeing it at really big moments as well, quite consistently. Third and long and roughing the passer, uh, fourth and short and going offside, both offence and defence, like all of that sort of stuff that's just massive no-nos are consistently popping up in these matchups.
0: Yeah, they're not and they're not good penalties either. Like they a lot of them are like unsportsmanlike conducts and just bonehead plays that you just can't make. Anyway, let's get into it. So we're gonna start with the big one in the big twelve, and that was K State thirty eight getting over Oklahoma at Sooner Stadium. So this one for you. and Kansas State takes the lead. Blake Lynch with a career-long 50-yarder. K-State do it again. They come back from 21 points down and shock the Sooners. Skylar Thompson goes for over 300 yards through the air and ran for three scores, but the Wildcats again struggled to move the ball on the ground and were actually outgained in this one by 117 yards. The... The big thing that I think we need to highlight is is Chris uh, Kleiman discussed after the game. He talked about it on his press conference how this group overcame adversity throughout the week. They didn't even know if they were gonna get a team on the park. They were struggling with um, you know, COVID stuff and testing and protocols. And, and then you go down by 21 points and they fought and busted their butt to get back into this game. And they made the most of their opportunities. Spencer Rattler threw three interceptions. They put the ball on the carpet as well, um, and that was that was the key difference. Is that when Kansas State had their opportunities, they managed to close out the game uh, effectively. And I'll, I mean, I'll let you take it from here because this one really shocked me. You rarely see an under strength team like Kansas State do this in back-to-back years against a team they're clearly overmatched against. So, I mean, yeah, take it away.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. It, it is shocking to see. But what you also will not see is many teams lose the turnover battle 4 to nothing and win that football game. And that was the real difference in this one. Oklahoma's inability to hold onto the football or to not turn it over when they were in moments that they, they shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. And Spencer Rattler has all of this hype around him. Like he is going to be a hell of a football player. But the moment got a bit big on him in this one. And Kansas State was starting to get some pressure late in the game when things were starting to heat up, when Kansas State were humming and he needed to step up. And he wasn't able to get that job done. And he made a couple of big errors that really, really hurt this Oklahoma team. Uh, and this is a massive loss. I don't think. This is one that knocks them out of the playoff because it didn't last year. But with the shortened season, it's certainly a very, very dangerous one, especially seeing as Kansas State dropped that one to Arkansas State early. Like, this loss looks terrible. Kansas State weren't a bad team last year. I think they had ended up with seven wins, so it was kind of more defendable uh, ha- having that mishap. But this one at home is, is really terrible for them they just couldn't get the ball going on the ground either Oklahoma they, they were really relying on everything through the air I know Lincoln Riley's offense is kind of leverages the dual threat capabilities of their quarterbacks Spencer Rattler finished with negative five rushing yards on the day that's, that's not great so uh, that's, that really hurt them because when you are up 35-14 late in the third you want to be able to just run a game out and mm. they they couldn't do that it came around bit them in the backside good for kansas state i mean those boys will be partying tonight they'll love that that's a massive win for that program and and what they're starting to build out there so that's the sort of stuff that a program like that hangs its whole season on like a, being able to pull a win like that kind of makes your whole year and uh they'll really enjoy that so happy for them And Oklahoma have really got no chances left now. They need things to go their way and they need to be dominant for any shot for them to achieve what they were setting out to do at the start of the year.
0: Yeah, and I 100% agree with you on Spencer Rattler. I think we have got used to Oklahoma quarterbacks, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts, just being able to work their way through the ugly games and coming up big in those big moments. But Spencer Rattler came up real, real small. In fact, and that last throw, three guys rushing, uh, and you know, they were dropping eight. That receiver was open, and he just air mailed it, flo- sailed it long, and it was picked off. It was a, it was a bad, bad throw, and, and his interceptions didn't look great. Lincoln Riley's come out and defended him, and as, as he would and should, you know, defends a, a, a true a freshman quarterback. They're not always going to be perfect, and we are used to seeing these Oklahoma teams just manage to fight their way through. But but K-State, again, with some timely defense, they made some big defensive plays at important times. It was all about winning the moments for K-State today. It had nothing to do with being the better team over long stretches. It was just win the moments, and they did. They converted their touchdowns. They got sacks when they needed to. And they come away with their second win in two years against one of the most successful, in terms of record, programs in the entire country. The other team that's gotta be cheering at this is UCF. Because I think the Big 12, with their combination of start as a conference, but also Oklahoma dropping that game, have put themselves in a really, really tough spot and may have even played themselves out of the playoff. I know there's a long way to go, but UCF have to be happy with that particular loss.
1: Yeah, it's certainly beneficial for them. I still think that there's a few teams like Texas-Oklahoma State who, if they run the table, would get the nod ahead of them. But UCF certainly benefit from this upset for sure.
0: Well, that is a great lead into the next game. You just mentioned Texas. Texas are going to have to do it better than what they did down in Lubbock in this one. They were up big, and then down big late in the last quarter. You're gonna hear a series of, of gear here, but it starts with the um, dicker, the kicker's onside kick recovery uh, into the final touchdown and then the unfortunate way that the game finished. So here we go. Trips right. Timmy, you got three, three, four defenders to, to defend three. Look at the
1: off coverage. Ellinger, it's caught! The two-point conversion. Brennan Eagles, we're tied at 56. You can run slant here with that safety at least four yards in. The wide receiver, you got a chance. Schooler in motion. There you got it, you got it. There's the (laughs) slant, caught touchdown. (laughs) Spencer T all over it. Joshua Moore. There should be something in the lane. Tight end. Underneath, Sir Robert nothing there, it's on the ground, Texas recovers, wow. ball yeah, game. Over. Horns win it, Osai wraps it up and will deliver it to Austin, one of the great comebacks in Texas football history.
0: Yeah, I mean, Joshua Moore caught the last two important plays uh, for touchdowns, one to end the game and then a two-point conversion to brandon eagles and then he managed to catch the touchdown in overtime as well it shouldn't have even got to this the fact that it did get to overtime and alan bowman the quarterback from texas tech was giving the old horns down on the sideline has got to feel like a bit of a muppet now but the longhorns come back from (laughs) they come from behind with 313 on the clock Sam Ellinger leads two drives, and like I said, that was split by a successful onside kick. Uh, and then OT was a bad, bad series for the Red Raiders as they put it on the ground to finish that one out in a Texas recovery. Draws the curtains for the Red Raiders, a particularly frustrating game, I think, for them in, in how that finished. It was over, and I mean, talk, talk to me about how the heck Texas could possibly get back into this one.
1: So this is the most amount of points that Texas Tech have ever scored against Texas. This is obviously a big rivalry, two in-state schools that have been going head-to-head for a long time. And this is the most that a Texas team has ever conceded to the Red Raiders. So I think the, f- the first point to make in this is Texas's defense were fucking woeful like yeah. really really bad and and it was at that point that I'd kind of written them off and was saying that Hermans in real strife when they scored to go up 15 and the the running back for Texas Tech just bounced off of four dudes and it wasn't like an athletic amazing offensive play it was inept defensive <laughs> presence like they, no one rapped. no one even those that were trying to hit weren't hitting with enough uh ver- Anything to to make a play there, and he just kind of bounced off a couple of dudes, and then took off and and made it look easy. And that was consistent across the day. They were just really really bad, and they've got some real playmakers over there that just for whatever reason are not pulling it together at the moment. I know they brought across uh, is it Chris Ash to try and sort that out this year, and he comes along with a really good resume, a lot of respect at the college football level. And he would not be happy looking back on the tape over this one because that was atrocious for them. I mean, credit to Texas Tech that they had the ability to do this. Uh, Alan Bowman, the Showman, is a good quarterback. He, he's good for this system too. Like he, he likes throwing it up there. He's going to take his shots, and they're going to come off when when they're throwing the ball this much down the field. But the that. Momentum in this one swung so hard and so fast that there was no way Texas Tech were going to be able to get this done in overtime. The the Texas were rolling so hard to get those fifteen points, and they they really did it quite easily. Like on the scoring yeah, players, they- there it it wasn't they weren't having to work hard for it. It wasn't amazing plays from Ellinger where he got flushed out because they were sending a whole heap, and then he made some dude miss and then threw it up, and they got lucky. He really just kind of dropped back, nailed dudes in the end zone with quite a bit of ease, which was probably disappointing from the tech side. And I know if they had their time again, they'd probably draw up a bit more pressure or something that that made things a little bit easier for them then. And then once it got into... Uh, over time, it was just clinical. They, they rolled down, did what they needed to do. And I don't think the game finished on that uh, final play that you aired there where it came off. It was actually ruled as an incomplete pass uh, on the fumble there. So they did get another shot, but they were like 4th and 18 or something. And, and that one didn't work out for them. So massive result for Texas being able to escape here because at the end of the day... In six weeks' time, we look back and go, "Yeah, Texas haven't had a loss yet." Or you know, if that's where they're in, and that's all it is. It's not. Oh, but do you remember that game where they only escaped? Like it, it's, it really becomes irrelevant the further along we get in the season, even though they had no right winning this one.
0: Yeah, and 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 you're correct in that these games in in college football do get forgotten very quickly. And, and the beauty contest starts again now next week for Texas. And if they can make it look pretty again, then you know all ills, all sins are forgotten. Unless right, you let's lose. Continue. Sorry? Unless you lose. Unless you it's, lose. Yeah, you can't yeah. forget those sins. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma State beat West Virginia 27-13. It appeared I didn't spend too much time on this one, but another less than convincing afternoon for the Cowboys. What happened in this one, Will?
1: Yeah, I watched this one from where to Go and it's... I think it's cert- Go but yeah. Whatever, mate. I'm, I'm a bit upside down <laughs> mate, myself at the, the moment. bring the energy. Come on, bring the energy. A, let's I'm go. I'm a bit upside down. So uh, when we're talking about beauty contests, Oklahoma State sure as shit are not winning anything at the moment. And they we know about Oklahoma State and beauty contests. It's not. <laughs> it's not Good. Let's not go having a shot at my people now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So this one here was a bit of a dour contest, really. There, there wasn't the offensive firepower that we've become accustomed to from both of these programs. What really is kind of rocking me a little bit is watching this Oklahoma State team and just having no faith on the offensive side of the ball and then actually really liking when we're playing defense because we're actually <laughs> pretty good and having yeah, more it confidence. a fumble
0: recovery for a
1: touchdown. Like, yeah, sweet strip sack and then scoop and score. It was – they're good on the defensive side of the ball and that's not something I've ever said about an Oklahoma (laughs) State team. Like They've been opportunistic, but this team is actually really, really good. And they kind of need to be at the moment. So Spencer Sanders sat again this one. Uh, Mike Gundy's come out and said he probably could have played, but he wouldn't have been uh, at full strength. So they went with the true freshman Shane Ealingworth again, who was really a game manager in this one, Uh, only threw for 139 yards, did throw a bad pick uh, in the third quarter that kind of left the gate open for West Virginia to have a shot at this one. Uh, But they did lean on that run game and it was not chuba hubbard who was the dangerous one in this one he was actually well contained by this west virginia defense it was ld brown his running mate who's almost as equally as explosive who really blew this one open so he had a big 66 yard scamper early on that put uh, oklahoma state i think it was 17 to nothing up at that point point. Uh, and then later in the game also injected a bit of life as well. So he was really impressive. Tuba, on the other hand, put the ball on the deck twice in the third and fourth quarter, and it was like bad, bad fumbles that you just can't be doing when you're trying to ice a game like that. So certainly concerns there, and, and that becomes a bit of a knock for your pro prospect as well. And he, He's developing a bit of a rap in that space as well, and you don't need to fumble much
0: for that, moniker or that reputation to start following you around like a bad smell and it's going to stick with him for a while I think you know two more fumbles today is not good for him
1: no and he was just lucky he was bailed out by his offensive line who were able to jump on both of them but those stats still show two fumbles on his end and he's going to want to sort that out it's a difficult game when you're a running back like he is because he's a legit world-class sprinter like the guy can run a 10 second hundred like he's he's an athletic freak and in order to do that you have a running style that you want to be able to hit top speed and that doesn't necessarily mold with covering the ball up as, as best you can so it's finding a blend of when you need yeah, to I mean, look you after excuses the ball here, dude like you got you got to look after the ball it's like oh, absolutely one. Ab- absolutely and I'm with you and I think because he was being held up he's trying to make things happen because he's expecting more from himself because there is this hype from the media and the outside world that he should be blowing every game up for 200 yards. So when he is getting contained, he's thinking, well, I've got to make something happen here. I'm going to try and get a little bit looser with it so I can break it out. And then that's creating these opportunities. So he will, will hopefully um, be looking to improve on, on that one as we were talking about you you want to win these ones you win them ugly Oklahoma State's defense is is really coming to play uh, Armin Ogbenina had uh, a really big yeah. day 13 tackles and a sack um, cool. and the the Pokes will be looking to get Spencer Sanders back to get a bit more balance in this one because at the moment they're really leaning run and I think that's not going to be how they're going to be able to to run the big 12 this year they're going to need to get a bit more balance in the game
0: yeah tuba Hubbard's seasons kind of reminded me a little bit of bryce love at his last year in stanford when you know he was the heisman favorite going in and there was all this pressure on him and you knew stanford was going to run the ball and that's what oklahoma state kind of uh, doing especially with some uh, spotty quarterback play at the moment and he it looks like he's feeling the pressure of, like you said, trying to hit the home run all the time and 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 that is frustrating. I get that, that people are expecting a lot of you and he's expecting a lot of himself but patience and the Oklahoma State running game will get going. Alright, Iowa State as we stay in the Big 12, 37 get past TCU, 34. A bit of a late push by TCU but this one was scoreless through one and I thought this game was going to go one of two ways. It was going to be a fucking snooze fest, which the first quarter appeared like it was going that way, or it was going to be quite entertaining, and we kind of got a blend of both, actually. First quarter boring, but then some offense happened with Brees Hall for the Clones, and Max Duggan did, in fact, start for the Horned Frogs. There was some question marks around his health and was Browning going to get the start, sorry, Downing going to get the start, or was Max Duggan going to get the start for the Horned Frogs? But Iowa State after their disappointing loss to a Sunbelt team, get a win on the board and TCU get their season started. I feel like both teams will come out of this, I mean, you're never happy after a loss, but kind of feeling okay about what happened. Your thoughts on this game, Will?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think TCU, Gary Patterson being the defensive-minded coach that he is, will be disappointed to give up. Uh, 37 in any game Uh, he'd expect more from that so whilst they've done well to come up with over 500 yards of total offense he'd be expecting more from where their power is supposed to be Uh, Iowa State were good on the ground they they ran the ball for over 200 yards and Brock Purdy was back to being much better than where he was uh, a couple of weeks ago he was quite efficient I think he went 18 of 22 uh, for 200 odd yards and, and a score so not Eye-popping numbers, but when they were leaning run and that was working for them, he did enough to get this one done. So, well done to the clones. They, they needed this one to bounce back.
0: Yeah, didn't they just? And Baylor kick off their season and the reign of Dave Aranda as the head football coach there by beating up on Kansas 47-14. to 14. Not much we can look into this one except poor old Kansas. I, I do feel sorry for them. I wish that they could... Somehow find themselves into a situation where winning football games is a real possibility,
1: but at this stage that doesn't appear to be the case. No, good, good for Baylor to finally get the season going, and uh, unfortunately Kansas' season is still going.
0: All right, let's get into the the most I think the most entertaining SEC game of the day, uh, which was LSU and Mississippi State. State. The story in this one has to be the Mississippi State offense. It has to be KJ Costello, and it has to be Mike Leach. If there was a headline 2.0, it would also be third down defense for LSU. Mississippi State were just unstoppable on third down, giving up touchdowns in the first half on two third and longs. The 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 touchdown there that we just heard that iced it to put them up for good 44, uh, to 34, was on a third and nine as well. So they just continued to push the ball down the field. Derek Stingley missed this game for LSU, the uh, All American uh, cornerback for the Tigers. And he was a massive, massive out with all the pass plays that were occurring out there. Just having somebody that can shut down at least a start, uh, one side of the field would have been great. A rusty start for both teams, like we mentioned, with the SEC, drop passes, procedural errors, all that kind of stuff. Just Mississippi State generally getting the ball from the center to the quarterback was problematic early on. But they settled in, and then KJ Costello started winding that thing up. Uh, He threw a bad interception that probably, if he didn't throw that, they were going to win by more. got walked back into the end zone. I was really impressed with Mississippi State. I've still got an asterisk next to them at the moment, but they've come in, they put up over 500 yards of passing yards. um, And KJ Costello walks away with a a five touchdown game and, hey, leads them into Tiger Stadium for a win. Uh, So well done to Mississippi State. I can't fault anything. My big asterisk here is that... Mississippi State and this offense and this this Mike Leach offense has been criticized year in, year out. And, and the reason that he could never get over Washington when he was at Washington State is because Washington knew what was coming. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech when he brought the uh, Flexbone triple option to the Yellow Jackets and the ACC weren't ready for it. They hadn't seen it. And they just rolled through that conference and they might do that initially i am i'll be impressed to see if this holds up for a full season in the sec because i'm just a little nervous that that defense and that inability to run the ball consistently is it m- may catch them out a couple of times
1: uh can we get drew back on to talk about sec defenses versus the air raid and <laughs> yeah i would do that now on the back of the one because I I was really happy to see this result. I mean, (laughs) I I love the fact that Mike Leach was able to get in here and get immediate results. I mean, both you and I were down on LSU this year but still thought that they would be a decent team. I don't think either of us had them at six in the nation or wherever that they were, but we still probably had them as top 15 sides. Like They they have enough talent. They're they're, they're good enough there to be a, a really, really good team. And... They were just outplayed today across the field. And, and Mississippi State, I mean, th- this is what they're going to do. They still turn the ball over four times. They ran for a total <laughs> of, of nine net yards running the ball. Yeah. That, that, that's crazy. And and then to still beat an LSU team by two scores, no it's Like... I, I, I'm shocked at that. that. Stingley being out, as you mentioned, was huge for the Tigers and, and he was in hospital with some sort of illness, not coronavirus related from, from what I was hearing, but he was out in hospital the night before and they missed him something fierce. If they could have matched him up on, say, Osiris Mitchell, who went for 183 yards, then that would have been huge still doesn't help them contain Kylan Hill who had 158 receiving yards out of the backfield but it it certainly changes the dynamic for that Tigers defense it's it's another one too where they kind of say you know Death Valley and it's a really formidable place to play which it is but less so when you've got a a smaller crowd in there like it doesn't have the same hum and feeling to it not trying to take anything away from this Mississippi State win it's huge But it's certainly not the rowdy, dangerous atmosphere that that place can be when it's in full tilt.
0: No, I mean, if there was ever a game that was set up to have someone come into Tiger Stadium straight up and and win a game, it's facing an air raid you don't know much about, a defense that's been effectively gutted, and a new defensive coordinator. And then on top of that, uh, you know, you've got a a brand new quarterback, brand new starting quarterback in Miles Brennan as well. So if we. Flip across to that side, and, and he obviously replaces Joe Burrow, but he struggled uh, against a Mississippi State defense that was really good last year, absolutely, but they're not well-beaters by any means, I don't think. They lost a few pieces up front, but they were disciplined. Um, I was impressed with the linebacking core, actually. They struggled to get receivers open consistently, and Miles Brennan missed a lot. He looked like a guy who hasn't played in a college football game yet. He's a big dude, he looks the part, but just leaving balls behind his receivers just a fraction, and he just can't do that at this level. Uh, So a bit of a disappointing start for him and the Tigers. Uh, I mean, they've still got some good pieces, but uh, Mississippi State, all the credit in the world. I did enjoy uh, the Pirates press conference after the game. I don't know if you saw that. I did. He's like, hey, yeah, like, I mean, we had to play this one because the Patriots, the Chiefs and Green Bay, maybe, uh, were all busy this weekend. So I don't know where he's pulled that from. But the other thing that I find interesting about him, nothing phases him. Like he could win the national championship and he would just still look the same. Like he just doesn't really get that high, doesn't really get that low. Um, it's all very kind of business as usual for for Mike Leach. So, well done to Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, uh, without a doubt.
0: All right, let's jump back across to your bloody fanboy club here and the Florida Gators. Fifty-one handle old Miss thirty-five. I came away really impressed with Kyle Trask and and the Florida offense. I've been very critical of that offense and and maybe I have to kind of eat my words a little bit here, but I wanted to see them justify that top five ranking. And they did that 642 total yards, six touchdown passes by Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts going off for eight, 170 yards and four TDs is a stat line that any player in the country would be happy with regardless of your position, unless you may be a safety or a cornerback. Uh, but from the second quarter on the gate controlled this one. Despite the blowout loss for Old Mister, I think, again, they have to be not disappointed with, with how they came out. John Reese Plumley didn't start. Matt Corral got the start ahead of him, and he went for nearly 400 yards. It was Jerry Neely that I was a little disappointed in. He could, couldn't really get going, but hey, well done to Florida. And they appear to be legit for
1: season 2020. They certainly do. They, but what's going on in the SEC? They not play defense there anymore. They, they need a to thing. head over head over and check out that Oklahoma state unit and then <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is madness over 1200 yards so both teams going for 600 plus Kyle Trask as we mentioned off the top of the show was insane Kyle Pitts tight end at Florida caught four touchdowns today and like a buck 70 or something that's huge and and i definitely recommend going back and checking out some of those highlights because he is a Athletic freak. Like some of the plays he made are super impressive. And it's all different stuff. Like some of it's scooping up a, a pass, dodging defenders, and, and hightailing it up the field. Other stuff's running over dudes, contested catches in the end zone that you want to see from Titan. Like it's all there. He, he looks to be a real package for them and he's definitely going to be a weapon all year.
0: Yeah. So Florida, you know, kickstart their season and they appeared to look to put the sec east in you know a really really tough contest here with our next game which we'll talk about the georgia bulldogs not that i have got too much on them but a really slow start as they were down uh the florida transfer gets arkansas out the gate and leading for a large portion of the first half. And then Georgia slowly start to crank things up um, as they make a couple of quarterback changes. No JT Barrett, uh, but Georgia do manage to get the win in the end.
1: Yeah, what was it? Seven to five at halftime in this one. And I wasn't sure if I'd tuned into the soccer game that they were playing. Like a high-scoring soccer affair, but still like... (laughs) 7-5, to what the fuck is that? (laughs) They were uh, certainly playing around with the Hogs for much longer than they would have liked to have. And then it all clicked. They blew up for 22 points or something in the third quarter and effectively put this one away. Um, It was Stetson Bennett who got the start for Georgia, so not JT Daniels uh, as I was kind of predicting. So surprised to see that one, but he was not too
0: bad. I don't think JT... I don't know that JT Daniels has been cleared to play. I can't get anything, like, any confirmation on it. But I don't know that he's actually ready to go. And um, K1, what's his name? Uh, Mathis got ball, uh, got game time as well um, at the quarterback position, but he struggled early as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, another one, there's 22 penalties and five turnovers combined in this game. Good. That's, that's big. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, just a scratchy one all around. But Georgia, I guess, you know, win ugly. But hey, you've got to do that sometimes. Auburn, 29, defeat Kentucky, 13. Our My boy, Joe Nix. St- he's still Joe to me. Uh, Through three second-half TDs to ease away from Kentucky. He also had two punts that he downed inside the 20. Got a bit of a clip for Joe. He's going to hear this a few times this year. Yes, Joe Nix. But he did get the win. Uh, But it felt a lot like Auburn's offensive performance from last year. Inefficient, rushing the ball, and then just enough plays through the air to Seth Williams, who's a big target for them, and Eli Stove on the outside as well. Um, I, I, I still come away not super impressed. More impressed with the fact that Auburn's defense is okay. I thought that Kentucky might be able to run the ball. They did get Terry Wilson back, who is more of an arm threat Uh, than who they had at quarterback last year, uh, who I I can't now remember who it was. Uh, The do-it-all purpose guy from last year for Kentucky. It's come to me. Go again.
1: Lynn Bowden, Jr.
0: Lynn Bowden, Jr. Got there. So he's obviously more of an arm talent than Lynn Bowden, Jr. But they couldn't get things going on the the ground. And and that Auburn front actually did a better job of controlling Kentucky's O-line than I expected they would. The strangest plays were that set up around halftime. I don't know if you saw that going into the last, the end of end of the half, where Kentucky were unlucky. They ran a second and uh, one or two yards, goal to go, got it in, or what appeared to be a touchdown. The um, the referees couldn't clearly see, and it was ruled uh, short of the goal line, even though it was clear that he was in the end zone. So Kentucky then had to have another play, which they then threw a interception that got returned for a hundred yards for a touchdown but that got called back on a targeting on a crackback block going helmet to helmet so no team scored any points there but it probably should have been a kentucky touchdown. and then after that kentucky really struggled in the second half listen to these numbers they had seven possessions in the second half of those one went for 73 yards and a touchdown and the other went another went for 80 yards and ended in a fumble so that's two possessions uh, that covered off 153 yards the other five possessions went for a combined two yards that's not gonna do too much for you in terms of coming back and beating an Auburn team
1: yeah, you're right. I did see that play uh, going into halftime. And he was like at the back of the end zone. How the fuck <laughs> he wasn't given the points there. It's just disgusting. Like, that's really, really bad. And it was always going to happen. It's one of those ones. Because that was on first down, stuffed on second, stuffed on third. I think they went for it on fourth. And he threw the pick that went back to the house. And you're just like, this isn't right. Because yeah, yeah. he was he was in. And you, you know they called it back. But those points should have been on the board. I think for this one, Kentucky did what they would have been set out to do. Like, they they controlled the clock. I think they had the ball... For 36 um, minutes to Auburn's 23 across the day, so they would have w- been keen to control that, run the ball like they did, and that worked out well for them. I mean, they were only down 15-13 late in the last. It's just that they they had those critical turnovers, uh, the, the three there. Their defense wasn't able to come up with any of their own, and and Auburn are too good a team for you to give them that. That they will um they will certainly beat you in those spots.
0: Yeah. And, I st- again, I still want to see more from that Auburn offense. Anyway, staying in the SEC, Alabama handle Missouri 38-19, to Texas A&M. Your boys struggle to separate from Vandy at all, and they get away with a win, though, 17-12. to Again, winning ugly is important, but they struggle to move the ball. Any great fears about Kellen Mond and the A&M offense?
1: He was not good. Uh, they, they were disappointing as a unit. I'm just hoping that this is a Vandier better than expected sort of situation, but I'm not sure that is the case. Uh, he's, he's got a bit to do. It was an ugly one. And I think I'm supporting ugly teams this year. I'm really just getting oh, around yeah. ugly stuff, so... Yeah. <laughs>
0: Just defense first. All right, Tennessee keep their winning streak alive dating back to the end of last season against South Carolina, and they win that one 31-27. Tennessee looked okay. Uh, Jarrett Guarantano was serviceable uh, and and put in a solid effort and controlled effort, played within himself, I thought, for Tennessee today, and and they looked relatively comfortable. I think the, the scoreline was closer than the contest felt at the time. So... Uh, the Vol- the Vols get their season kicked off in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think this was tied up in the last uh, uh, 24 apiece. So whilst Tennessee were controlling it, South Carolina definitely could have stolen this matchup. Didn't in the end. Uh, I think there was a, a really good defensive effort from Henry Teo-o, no, yeah. Teo, Teo? Um,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, yeah,
1: it's not that hard to say. I just... I'm not going to get it right, so I'm not going to try. I'm just trying, and it's not going well for me. But uh, yeah, he, he he had a big day and managed to get a pick and score uh, for, for the big fella. So that turned out to be the difference, which is huge. All right, across to the ACC. This was a ranked
0: matchup, but Pitt beat Louisville. led by a dominating defensive performance for the Panthers. Seven sacks, three interceptions, and restricted the Cardinals to just 223 yards of offense, which is well below their season and averages. Uh, I know the season's only just new, but even going back into last year, multiple times in the last quarter, Cardinals were in position to score, but the Pitt defense held tight. And I think they put their hand up to claim the title of number one defense in the country. They were disruptive. They were gap sound. uh, They were particularly effective and efficient. And you're not going to get easy plays against them. On the other side of the ball, Pitt still a little up and down with Kenny Pickett. He goes 23 for 38 and anything but explosive on the ground. But I think Pitt's defense will keep them in some games. Whether they can just generate enough offense um, to win... Uh, I think that, you know, they, they're they still going to struggle. I said if you score 24 points against this pit team, you win. And that was exactly the amount that Louisville needed. They couldn't get there. So a disappointing day for Scott Satterfield backing up after their game against Miami. Uh, Mikhail Cunningham... Sorry, not Mikhail Cunningham. Malik Cunningham uh, couldn't quite get things going. And Javion Hawkins also was
1: kept mostly in check. Any yeah. thoughts on the Pitt-Louisville game? How about them Panthers? So I did say that this defense would stand up and that they would be able to keep them under. And and, and they really, really stood up when it mattered. I think they were 1-for-11 Louisville on third down. So that, that's really Pitt ratcheting it up and uh, making, making it happen for them. So as you said, they're going to be in a lot of games because of this defense. They are... Certainly undermanned offensively, they're not going to be able to stack up with the likes of a Clemson there. But this defense has them positioned to be around the mark in the ACC this year, battling for that next rung below.
0: All right, now feel free to stop me anytime you want to talk about any of these. But Syracuse found some offense to beat Georgia Tech thirty-seven to twenty. Syracuse's seventeen-point opening quarter was the difference in this one, as they went twenty all the rest of the way. Yeah, the I can't cues. Imagine you'd- Carney the orange, man. <laughs> uh, Virginia put on 21 points in the last quarter to distance themselves from Duke 38-20. to 20. I'm sure we'll touch on this one in On the Punt, but you're a little bit puckering there at one point as Duke took the lead into the second half, I believe. Um, but Virginia managed to wind things up and get things going offensively. To close that one out, Miami beat up on Florida State, 52 to 10. This rivalry has been a bit disappointing recently. Uh, one team continues to be traveling with all things pointing in the right direction, while the other appears to be bottoming out. And this wasn't close today.
1: Yeah, I mean, bottoming out is an understatement. But yeah, it's uh, this was one that we were certainly both highlighted going into this one, that it's a game Miami lose previously. in in years gone by when they've had a bit of hype when they've looked alright they then go into a game that they should win and win comfortably and they lose and they did not do this so it is a different team that we're seeing in Miami this year excitement is really reaching fever pitch now it will be tempered off with an off week let's just keep
0: the lid on it I was
1: ready to blow it off on the back of this one but maybe (laughs) we will maybe we will they do have Clemson on the horizon so that uh, should be a hell of a matchup in a fortnight
0: yeah. That offense is starting to look really, really good under Derek King. Every single uh, possession they had in the first half brought points, 38 of them in total. And the game was pretty much toast after the first quarter. So that offense is looking good. The defense was a little bit more sound today, although that scripted set to open the game by Mike Norvell looked really, really good. Uh, play calling after that, not so good. And and I was exposed to something similar with Dan Enos last year with Miami, they could actually score coming out of the half and opening the game. But in between those times where you need to you know, play select on the fly, that is not so easy to do. I think the other harsh thing about this one is Mike Norvell tested for COVID, was at home watching the game, had no connection into the facility whatsoever to do any coaching not on an in an official capacity but that loss goes against his name which i think is a stitch up so unlucky for him
1: uh gotta wear a- uh
0: virginia tech begins season 2020 yeah hey you are the head man there now virginia tech begins season 2020 in winning style against nc state 45 to 24 so maybe virginia tech are a bit of a a sneaky dark horse in the acc
1: absolutely that they were missing 20 players due to COVID including their starting quarterback and still managed to crush NC State in this one
0: yeah Uh, BC needed 10 unanswered points in the last quarter to beat Texas State (laughs) 24-21 up the Eagles doing it tough against a,
1: a dangerous Texas State outfit
0: Okay. Other scores. UCF won big. Louisiana. The Ragin' Cajuns moved to 3-0. and Cincinnati and Army, two ranked teams, played each other. Army struggled to get things going on the ground, and the Bearcats walk away 24-10 to victors. BYU beat Troy 48-7 to as well. Any comments on those games,
1: William? No, Cincinnati will be happy with that one. Good defensive effort against that awkward army rushing attack. So they managed to get it done and pull away in the second half. And BYU are wrecking house at the moment. So they're a Mm. formidable force. They got a bit of a weird schedule uh, this year because they are the independents and no one's really kind of able to play out of conference. So they're just scraping together what they can. But uh, they've got every chance of running the table from what I can say.
0: Yeah. Get them in the playoff. I do have a little side note about results here. And this goes to two teams that I quite like. I don't know. I think it's their mascots that I really enjoy. Both teams are out of Texas. UTEP and UTSA. So, University of Texas, El Paso and San Antonio, respectfully. Um, UTEP have been one of the worst teams in college football over the past three years. They went 0-12 last year they went one and eleven and one and eleven the two years before that they are currently sitting at three and 0 they've won more games this year three and two and i i better get my, my numbers right here uh but they have currently won as many games as what they have in the last three seasons likewise utsa 3-9 and nine last year, not a good football team. They're 3-0 and after beating Middle Tennessee, who are not a bad football team. So I want to give a little bit of love to the two teams out of Texas because after some rough, rough years, it's good to see them getting some Ws on the board.
1: That's all. Yeah, for sure, man. I love me some right. mid-major Texas football. <laughs>
0: Hey, it's good, it's good gear. There's some Aussie boys down there as well. Anyway, now let's head into our quick rewind. This is for those that have missed something. If you've got 20 minutes, you've put the kids to bed and you're like, yep, yeah, I've got 20 minutes. I can I can watch some stuff here or, you know, it's your lunch break or just 10 o'clock sitting at home, working from home and you're like, you know what? I want to sing in some college football. What do I need to see? These are the things you need to see. <laughs> I'm going to start with Texas-Texas Tech game. couple of highlights. Firstly, you've got to watch the last four minutes because, and then into overtime. That is crazy. You've got to witness that comeback. But also check out third quarter, 5.58 on the clock. A dump off to Bijan Robinson out of the backfield for Texas and watch him nearly die trying to hurdle a defender. Have you seen that clip? I have
1: not. Now I've got something to watch before I put myself to bed. <laughs> Oh God, he
0: really, I don't know how his head stays on, but it's, there's some good photos of it. So check that one out. Is there anything that you think people need to see, Will?
1: Nothing like a failed hurdle. Like it's really up there (laughs) with stuff that underrated or that I love about college football. No, not for me, mate. Let's keep this train rolling. I think we're running on a bit today.
0: We are. Do you want to dish out some particular high flying helmet stickers? I do
1: have a few helmet stickers that I think are worth uh, mentioning. So, both KJ Costello and Kyle Trask, in their outstanding uh, starts of the season, both having massive games, Costello going for over 600 yards. Trask for six touchdowns. Both get the nod for me. Uh, Daytrick Harrington at App State. You see his game? We haven't really touched on that one at all. But he had 32 carries for 211 yards and four touchdowns. They just gave the ball to him and let him run the show. Um, And then Kyle Pitts, also at Florida, with his four touchdowns uh, out of the tight end position, were massive. The defensive end at Pitt, Patrick Jones had six tackles and three sacks today. That's impressive. Uh, I mean, (laughs) a lot of defensive linemen would be happy with three sacks across a year. He's done it in a game, so boom. Uh, And then the Baylor running back, uh, Treston Ebner. Not sure about the name Treston, but... He, uh, he only ran the ball nine times for 36 yards and a touchdown, and he only caught two passes for 53 yards and a touchdown. He also then returned two kickoffs for touchdowns as well. So he's had four <laughs> touchdowns across the day in three different facets of the game. That's a dynamic uh, player that I'm sure will end up on the Patriots.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. All right, uh, let's keep pushing this forward. Aussies in action. Will, who have you got for us? I know you do all the heavy lifting on the research side. I saw one that I like the look of, but I assume you've got him covered, but take us through who are the top performers for the Aussie boys today. Yeah,
1: quickly running through this one. It's a bit harder early in the week um, without being able to collate all of the numbers. But both the boys at Oklahoma State, Tom Hutton uh, had six punts, an average of 44.8. And when you've got an elite defensive team like they have there this year, <laughs> get, like field position's really important. So he, he did a massive job there. And Alex Hale, a kicker, getting like first action, has now gone 5-5 five for five on the year. He hit two from over 40 which is really, really good, and hit all three extra points. So that's really pleasing to see. Whenever you follow a team and your kicker is suspect, it fucking sucks. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so to have a guy who's kind of back there and banging it with some consistency is really quite nice. Uh,
0: Seriously, the... But just before we go on, like I followed the fucking Tampa Bay Buccaneers who traded up in the second round to take Roberto Aguayo for him to just fucking
1: murder balls on a regular basis. How did he get so? He was so good at Florida State, and then he went to the (laughs) NFL, and he was just like, "Fuck, this is impossible." Are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe the posts are closer together, or I don't like he fucking the the hash marks. The hash marks are actually more central. It should be easier. (laughs) I (laughs) know. I know. Who knows? Anyway, right. I mean, James- that,
0: and he—he he wasn't even even the worst kicker that my teams have had. So anyway, <laughs> push on.
1: James Smith had uh, five punts at an average of forty-six point two for Cincinnati, which is solid. And then the man, the myth, the legend, Max Duffy returned to action and just like has not missed a beat. Had four punts at an average of fifty-three, topping all comers this week with a long of seventy-five. How's that? Just fucking let it rip. <laughs> Better than his run on fourth down, which did not go well.
0: He went backwards for three yards, so... You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. (laughs) Yeah, well, he definitely missed that one. All right, it's bold prediction time. So... Uh, I had a very shitty bold prediction. I said there'd be three shutouts on the week. There were none. Shit called by me. In the future, I'm going in a different direction. (laughs) I am going bolder. I'm going more specific. I'm going weirder. I'm sick of picking like wins and losses, ranked teams
1: doing this, shutouts. Nah, I'm getting fucking weird this week. So just you wait. Can't wait. I can't wait to tune in for our next episode for that. Uh, I had... (laughs) I had Florida and LSU destroying the Mississippi teams. Florida almost held up their end of the bargain. They got the cover, so they did well. And then LSU lost, so good good call on my part, Jesus. Uh, Yeah, I, I had those two teams winning by over 50 and one of them lost, so cannot be thrilled with my judgment there. What you will be thrilled with is on the punt this week, Will, so take us through it. Boom. The, the new formula has landed us in the money again. So, hey. That's what I'm about. That's what I want to hear. That's good. So we had two bets this week. We, we've, we've changed it. For those of you who've missed it, you're missing out because we're making money now. Uh, <laughs> we have a, a Let It Ride segment where all the money we have in the kitty, we're just putting on one sure thing. And then we're, we're also chucking a, a smaller bet of whatever we've got left on a bit of an outsider. And I'm two for two on the outsiders now. So this week I had the cues to beat Georgia Tech outright that was paying $3.35 and you look back now you go they were always going to win that they're at home Georgia Tech aren't very good so that was easy money that uh, did well for us and then my sure thing was Virginia to get over the top of Duke so we had 12 units on that and then when they were down in the third you're right puckering is probably uh, an accurate assessment Mainly because I just don't have a lot of faith in Virginia or any team starting out this year because you just don't know what you're going to get. But sure enough, Duke reverted to what we know they are—not a very good football team—and Virginia were able to get that done at a dollar forty-five. So the back of those two results scored us a combined ten units. Uh, so last week we were plus four units. This week we were plus ten. The initial kickoff week where I just completely shat the bed, we, we dropped all ten, but that puts us at a season total of plus four. We're back in the black.
0: Hey, for the first time in what feels like years now.
1: I think it just, may be.
0: <laughs> just finally making it rain. If there were still 50 cent bills, then you could, you could start splashing a few of them around. All right. Well, it feels like college football season is here now. Like it's done. We can start actually seeing patterns and and predictability in how teams are playing as much as college football is predictable. But we're actually talking about things that are happening this year, which is really, really nice. We can start previewing games with real, real recency rather than discussing what may or may not happen based on the third string quarterback from last year who did see some action, in fact, against chattanooga anyway yeah let's let's speed this baby up all right (laughs) i'm just making noises now i'm giving him the wind up here you are giving me the wind up because we are dragging the ass here all right let's uh please before we do go make sure you do hit us up on twitter on instagram or on facebook as well at cfb down under make sure you do have a chat have a convo uh make sure you hit up your friends your family just start spruiking it for us leave that five star review and subscribe to the show as well. You must be done, Will. I can see you still winding me up, so.
1: No, I've got leads uh, on at the moment, so I might tuck into that before getting myself off to bed.
0: All right, well, on behalf of that guy over there who desperately needs some sleep, and on behalf of myself down here who, I don't need sleep, I'm on holidays. Fuck this, let's get Mm -hmm. drunk. my name's Aaron that is Will and we will see you next time dude I'm sick of listening to Tusk every day